This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. This episode is an exclusive piece of audio content. It is a rare opportunity to listen to Brian Kleiben, the architect behind the 343 training curriculum. And I will tell you why I decided to release this specific conversation. In a tweet during the 2018 World Cup, a prominent member of the American soccer media stated that no coach who is a native English speaker uses the word protagonist. And I've linked to that tweet in the write-up on 343coaching.com. But that is simply not true. When I saw that tweet, it reminded me of how many conversations I've had with Brian over the years and how many times I've heard him use that word protagonist. So I decided it was time to let you all in on a little secret. For quite a while, Brian and I have been recording phone calls during which we talk about his development as a coach and what he values. And I have spent months and years picking him apart with questions about his processes, his successes, and his failures. So what you are going to hear today is 10 minutes of a 25-minute conversation that I recorded with Brian, and specifically because he uses the word protagonist. And I guess I should tell you that I have hours worth of these conversations recorded with Brian, and we actually have plans to release these eventually. So stay tuned for more information on how to access that content in the future. But for now, you can just consider this episode a treat. But if you would like to hear more from Brian and you like what you hear from Brian, you should know that there are several ways to get more at this moment. If you are a 343 premium member, you've already heard the question and answer sessions that we record on a quarterly basis, and you've been able to watch and review Brian's in-person presentations from our Las Vegas and our Fullerton coaching summits. But if you are not a 343 member, you can get a feel for what Brian has to offer by signing up for our free course, which is what we highly recommend you do. And we highly recommend starting there so you get a feel for who we are and how we do things. But when you think you're ready, the 343 Premium Coaching Membership is loaded with real training footage, real game footage, and even more real conversations with Brian that non-members will never, ever hear. Brian spent the better part of the last decade wearing a microphone during practices and real matches, and all of that audio and video has been transformed into the 343 membership program. So if you like what you hear from Brian and you want to learn more from him, just know that there is a great way for you to do that. To learn more about that program and all the benefits of becoming a 343 coaching education member and to help support and fund this podcast that you are listening to right now, you can visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers three, four, and three and coaching all spelled out dot com. All right. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with the protagonist himself, Mr. Brian Kleiman. So, Brian, on the uh, on the podcast, I've talked about why having a vision is so important for a coach. And I've given the examples that I've heard you use over the years. And those examples are possessing like Barcelona and pressing like Chile and counterattacking like Real Madrid. 
those are those are three things that have impacted your vision or I think have impacted your vision. But I wanted to talk to you about how and when you decided to follow those examples and how that impacted the way that you coach. Um, and then maybe if you can give me and some of the other coaches some advice on crafting our own vision for our own teams. So what do you got for me? Absolutely. So I, I want to add to that. I want to build on that vision. And, and I think defending like Atletico Madrid and Cholo Simeone should be thrown into that mix now. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, no, it's been a consistent thing that, that me and a lot of my colleagues admire. And there's a lot of content online about Simeone and, and you know, his sessions and the intensity and the tenacity, which, which you know, he he brings to the table and, and the players are a reflection of him as a player. So that's always a nice thing. I mean, I like to be the protagonist and have the ball and not have to defend, but when your team uh, has to, you know, is, is, uh, his, is, is inferior to your opponent and you have to plan for this. Like, I think that's a good reference points to have. And obviously yesterday we saw Atletico Madrid go down to 10 men within 10 minutes against Arsenal. And those guys dug deep and, Besides the result, if you analyze the game itself, like they're making plays in their boxes like crazy inside their 18. They're blocking crosses, they're blocking shots, they're winning headers, and yeah, the collective is 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 an unbelievable thing, John. So that's not where I want to be, but I think we should throw that into there, and that's something remarkable as well. Okay, well then we can get, we can get into that as well. I I, I want to focus on when you first started coaching, though, or when you first started to create your own vision. So I'm assuming that you were like most of us where you kind of fumbled around in the, in the first part of your, uh, of your coaching career and you didn't really have a direction at first, or maybe you did. Um, what, or when did you start to have some type of a vision or when did you realize that you did have a vision? So John, no good question. And listen, ironically, uh, just giving that thought right now is the first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, when I started coaching back in, in 03, 04, it coincided with the same time where, where Argentina, the national team had Marcelo Villas in charge and both Gary and myself, you know, fell in love with that team and, and the way they play their football, right? They, they were the aggressor. They dictated the game from beginning to end, no matter who the opponent was or where the game was played. And yeah, that's something that I identified with a lot. And, and yeah, when I ran into coaching during that time, I was like, this is what I want my team to look like, right? Uh, irrelevant of the formation, irrelevant of the opponent, irrelevant of, you know, the, the, the climate or the altitude. Argentina stepped on the field to eat the opponent alive. And, and I like that. That's the type of player that, that, that I was. And that's the, 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 the reflection that I wanted in my team. So yeah, that's kind of the vision I had. Argentina back in those days cruised through World Cup qualifying, setting all the records. You know, they faltered come the World Cup. They got bounced out of the group stages in 02 and Japan, Japan, uh, Korea World Cup. And then, yeah, it's an automatic in Argentina. If, if you fail to have a good World Cup, you get fired. But such was the the backing of the players in in this guy and in that style and but the guy survived. He was offered another contract. He continued and he won the Olympics in 04, same type of football, same philosophy, same vision. And, and then, yeah, he, he stepped down. He felt like he was burned out and couldn't give, you know, his full 100% of the national team. So 
I mean, that inspired me, man. That, that was my inspiration. I had the fortune of, you know, in 2004, kind of in that same time frame, going to Peru and watching the entire tournament and sneaking into all their sessions. I think that's been talked about over the years. So, yeah, right at the beginning of my coaching career, I kind of hijacked and jacked a lot of the things that he would do with the national team. And, you know, I wanted my team to, to, to have that uh, same identity. When you were sneaking in watching those sessions, what stood out to you the most? And, and did you take notes at all or did you take pictures? How did you capture all that information that you were, that you were absorbing, I'm sure at that point and no, bring that back to the United States with you? No. So both like, yeah, obviously, I mean, it's been talked about a lot that I'd sneak in. I'd pay, like, Coca-Cola workers to go place the, the sponsorship signs on the side of the field. Yeah, I'd have my little notepad. You know, obviously, I knew what I was watching, but there was so much going on with BSS sessions that there's so many details. Just the thing that struck out at me was, yeah, the pressing, because his teams would, would full-court press in unison, and and that's kind of where we hijacked most of our, our core exercises from that are in the curriculum uh yeah his build outs his his dynamic play you know interchanging positions all these things that they would work on you know and obviously throughout a tournament you have very little time of you know of real sessions in between games you know most of them were recovery sessions or match prep sessions but there's at least one session in between games to kind of focus on their identity and the thing that stood out the most and that still to this day applies with with him is most of his sessions don't involve the entire team training at the same time. They're, they're trained in blocks. You know, the defenders train in a certain time period. Then the midfielders show up, they train, then the forwards show up, they train very, very seldom do they all train at the same time. And, you know, they train such details in terms of what he wants to be executed on the field that it all comes together later, you know, when they join together in one session before the game. And obviously you see the identity on the field. Is that something that you, adopted yourself with your teams i did at first i did i had the luxury of having you know a couple of assistant coaches always you know at my side that that's a luxury so while i focus specifically on one group i'd have those guys do different exercises with with my assistant coaches so yes way back in the day it was a lot of uh you know functional based sessions that bs i would do you know and listen, you know, along the years and through my other experiences, you know, and we talked about what my ideal vision and team looks like, you know, had the fortune of the Barcelona adventures and I'd incorporated a lot of that stuff. And then you add your own little twists and flavors to it. So, yeah, John, I've kind of blended it all together and, and that's where we're at now. And we're still in, in the learning phase and, and adopting new methods. Can you talk about your Barcelona trips as well? So. For, for those people that are listening that don't know what you did or the experiences that, that you had the opportunity to go and, and take part in, describe what you what you saw and then maybe again talk about like what were some of the biggest takeaways for you as a as a I, I'm assuming a fairly new coach at that time still, right? Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's kind of like the the curtain was lifted and blinders came off in terms of so many details of the game, right? So Obviously, Barcelona, their methodology and the possession-based systems and the 4-3-3, all the details from the regular rondos and, you know, highlighting the details of the rondo, not just getting together and doing a circle keep away or, or a box game, right? How to receive the ball, you know, the speed of pass, the weight of pass, the direction of the pass, 
um, reading your 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 own team at across from you in the rondo, the defensive intensity in the rondo. So all those little details that one doesn't think of when you're first starting out, you know, just were amazing from the U9 levels all the way to the senior team. So you can see how they have their uniform identity and how easily it translates from team to team and group to group and coach to coach. So the progression for the players is something that's phenomenal there. Um, yeah, then put positional possession gains. So everything position specific, right? If you're a two, you're put in situations where you're going to see it in a game as a two. You're not doing the job of a six or a nine or a seven, you know, and, and that directly translates to, to the fluidity in their game, right? So positional games, uh, attacking patterns, uh, uh, yeah, unopposed. Like a lot of people knock on why is it done unopposed. Like most of their stuff there is done unopposed because they want it ingrained in their brain and they want the collective to understand what their jobs are all over the field, right? So those things really, really stood out. And what really stood out as well is how almost every team is working the same way. So these guys, by the time they're U18, U19, reserve team or first team players, they've been doing it for over a decade and they understand. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And just a reminder, if you want to find more conversations or more content featuring Brian and learning more about the 343 curriculum that he is the architect of, you can visit 343coaching.com. That's the number 343coaching.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our free course, which is where we recommend that you start if you are brand new to us. Or you can also sign up for our premium coaching education course, which is actually what helps fund this podcast. In that program, you get access to real training footage, real match footage, and real conversations with Brian Cliven himself. So you can find all of that and more at 343coaching.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of this podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks.